All right, so uh, three-week series starting today. We're gonna be talking about what it means to have a deeper, more meaningful life. And um, I'm excited about this series because we're, we're going to talk about things that really I haven't really spoke about before. I've never really preached about before. I've never really um, discussed these things. I believe in all these things that I'm going to talk about, but um, I've never really shared um, in a message before why some of these things we're going to talk about are so important uh, to our walk with God and our walk with other people as well, um, in our walk with um, just ourselves and who we are, and, and, and as we as we just um, as we grow and mature in the Lord. Lord, you know, these next three weeks are just going to lay out a blueprint, some blueprints for us to have a deeper, more meaningful life. And just by a show of hands real quick, um, who, who would say here, I would love a deeper, more meaningful life? Yeah. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. Well, I hope your hand goes up because we should all kind of go, God, what's next? You know, what's next, God? What's next? What's happening next, God? How, how can you work on my life? So, we're, so today we're going to be talking about something I've never talked about. Um, I don't think in, in my 27 years of being in full-time ministry, um, um, I'm going to talk to you today about the importance of solitude and why it's important. This is going to be the introvert's dream message. <laughs> All right. Uh, next week, I'm going to be talking about the art of accountability, why it's important to be accountable. To, to be held accountable. I'm calling it mentors, okay, to have mentors. What is a mentor? A men is a M-E-N-T-O-U-R-S, mentor your life. Okay, so it's really important that we allow people to tour our life, all right? And then uh, June 4th, I'll be talking about creating and maintaining boundaries, why boundaries are so important in your life, how Jesus created boundaries, and that's what kept him moving in the direction that God, his father, had called him to do. So um, a friend of mine from New Mexico shared with me this joke, and I want to share it with you. Um, <clears throat> really important stuff, you know, as we get moving. Um, a guy was found with $75,000 worth of Campbell's soup he stole from the factory. The police officer said, that's okay. We're going to put him away for it. Mm-mm, good. <laughs> I know that's super lame, but I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, you know, here's the thing. I hope he's watching. Um, he lives in Albuquerque. He told me, he's like, I dare you to say that joke. And so I did. <laughs> Most people desire a deeper life, but a lot of people just wish that it happens. Right? A lot of people want a deeper, more meaningful life, but the natural, the, the, the average person just hopes that it happens or that they just wish that it happens. And the reality is, is that to have a deeper, more meaningful life, we have to be extremely intentional. The Bible puts it like this. Paul says this, I don't go around beating the air aimlessly, okay? So for instance, he said, I have a mission, I've got a directive, I've got something that I have to do, so I'm intentionally going to go and do that. Right? And I think a lot of our culture and a lot of our times, and especially amongst believers, a lot of the times we have an aimless viewpoint about our life. We just think whatever happens in our life is God's will. And I want you to know that it's lazy of us to think that way. Let me say that again. A lot of us think that because something just happens that it's automatically God's will. And I want you to know that that's untrue. That's a lazy way to go about God's will in your life. We have to be intentional by what we do, the steps that we take, and the things that are going on in your life, right? Meaning, meaning in life doesn't just automatically happen. 
God desires your life to be abundant and full of life. John chapter 10, verse 10. We're gonna be walking through the scripture a lot, okay? Some of them I have on the back screen. A lot of them I don't because I want you to get your Bibles and I want you to read with me. All right, John chapter 10, verse 10 says this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You may have life and have it abundantly. There might be some Christian viewpoints and some ideas that say God doesn't want me to have an abundant life because that means that I'm not, uh, that, that I don't want to think of myself more highly than I should or, or we have this idea of, of like this prosperity kind of message and these kinds of things like this. I want you to know that it is God's plan and God's will for you to have abundant life to have abundant life. Now, that, that, that's not just saying, well, I've got a yacht, I've got a boat, I've got two cars, I've got you know eight kids or whatever you wanna say. I've got all these things, okay? Therefore, I have an abundant life. That could be included in that, but that's not what this means, okay? It's knowing who you are in Christ creates abundance in who you are in him. <laughs> abundance in life means being completely satisfied with Jesus in your life. Not completely satisfied in a little bit of Jesus in your life and then the rest can fulfill you. No, it has to be all him and it has to be nothing. I'm sorry, there's no in-betweens when it comes to Jesus. There's no, there's no a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and then everything will make an abundant life. No, it's either 100% Jesus or it's 100% nothing. I'm sorry if you've heard, never heard that before, but that's how it goes. That's why it's so important that all of us here this morning direct our hearts, lives, our, our souls, our spirit, our eyes, our intentions, our mind, our thoughts, our physical body, everything we are should be given to him fully should be given to him. Why? Because Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. And what people want to do, especially believers, is we want, to have, we want to have all the things added to us without the seeking first, without giving our lives to him first, without surrendering that little secret part in your life that no one else knows about, without surrendering that part to Jesus, right? If we don't surrender that little part right there, we'll never know the true abundance that God has for us. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. If you find your, yourself in your life is a constant battle all the time or a constant struggle all the time, you get done with one battle and then it's another. You get done with one struggle, then it's another. And then you get done with that and then it's another. I'd like to suggest to you this morning that maybe Maybe you've been targeted by the enemy to kill, steal, and destroy your life. God's plan is that you have abundant life. And sometimes those battles that you're facing, right, help us realize that we are victorious. But let me suggest to you that if the battle never ends, then maybe there's something going on inside of you that you haven't yet surrendered to Jesus. And these things and these struggles and these battles are there. You butt up against them. And then when that one's done, you go, thank God we made it through that one. And then another one instantly happens. Maybe God is trying to point something out in your life that needs to be surrendered to him. It's never fun to be pressured, amen? <laughs> it doesn't always feel good to go to the fire, okay? 
But sometimes in our life, if we don't surrender, if we don't give ourselves to him, then that's what's gonna happen. There'll always be something else that will cause us to come to the place of realization that I need Jesus in this area in my life. And that, my friend, is abundance. That's the abundant life that he desires for you. So I believe that the Bible laid out some blueprints for us on how to develop and maintain a deeper, more meaningful life. So there's two ways that we can learn from the Bible. You guys ready? The first is how we would normally expect, and that's through instructions. Okay, through instructions. For instance, for example, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Okay, it's instructional. You guys with me? Tracking? Okay, there's an instruction there. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. So this verse now instructs us and teaches us that anger isn't automatically sin. Thank God. Amen. Thank God that anger is not a sin. Come on, somebody. Right? You just turn on Fox and you'll go. <laughs> or whatever news channel you want. Right? Sorry. Anger isn't automatically sin. Number two, this instructs us that it's something that we have to be careful about. So it teaches us it's not sin and instructs us it's not sin, but it's something that we have to be careful about, right? And it's not something we're supposed to stay angry. We can't stay angry at people all the time. So let me encourage you today that if you are still angry with your mom or dad or your brother or your sister and you're in your 50s and your 60s and your 70s or maybe you're in your 20s or whatever the case is and you still have something up against them, right? Maybe that's why there's battles happening in your life because God's trying to point that out in your life to say, hey, sunshine, you're better than this. I love you with all my heart. And here's the reason why the battle's here. It's called the desert for a reason, Right? And I want you to go through this so that way you can learn to forgive your fill in the blank. The Bible is filled with teachings like this, instructions to help us walk out our relationship with him. Now, a second way we can learn from the Bible is by examples. These examples can be both good and bad, right? The Bible is full of stories that tell us about how people succeeded and then failed in various circumstances. All right, isn't it good to know that your life, if you fail, that's probably already in the Bible somewhere. That the fathers of the faith that we look up to, the people that we read in the word of God, all were, uh, their histories were full of failure. But the reality is, is that they just didn't fall back on their failure a lot of the times. The ones that we read about at least, they're the ones that failed forward. They're the ones that failed but yet learned and then grew from it and then lived in righteousness afterward. As we read these lessons and these examples, they help us through life. So let's talk about what solitude is. Why is solitude important? So we're gonna talk about solitude and why solitude is important to having a deeper, more meaningful life. You guys ready? Okay, like I said before, this will be the introvert's favorite message. Solitude is important to maintain a deeper, more meaningful life because our world, number one, is super busy. And busyness leads to distractions, and distractions will eventually lead to anxiety, and anxiety leads to burnout, all because we feel obligated to fill the need of other people's expectations on us rather than simply fulfilling the assignment that God has given us. Can I read that again? 
so we can actually chew that a little bit, okay? Our world is busy. Busyness leads to distractions. Distractions lead to anxiety. Anxiety leads to, leads to burnout. And the reason why that all of us sometimes fit into that mold is because we feel as people obligated to fill the needs of other people's expectation on us rather than simply fulfilling the assignment that God has given us. See, opportunities, you'll see it on the back screen here, opportunities are but distractions if they are not assignments. There's good and then there's God. Just because it's good doesn't always mean it's God. Come on, somebody. Right? You can have opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. They will come knocking, but sometimes those opportunities come as angels of light to you. Just to get you distracted from your main purpose and your assignment from the Lord. The best way to learn about the value of solitude is from Jesus' life. And we're blessed that the Bible has a number of times when Jesus separated himself from people. So today I'm going to talk to you very briefly, six reasons Jesus chose solitude over people. Okay? Number one, Jesus chose solitude over people to prepare for a major task. To prepare for a major task. Now you got your Bibles? Okay, let's walk there. Luke chapter four, verses one through two. Matthew, Mark, Dr. Luke, and John, Acts, Romans, and one, two, Corinthians. Luke, sorry, it's a wrap. I learned to memorize the books of the Bible. Luke chapter four, verses one through two. Say, uh-huh, when you're there. Okay, this is what it says. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, the ESV. And Jesus, full of the Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were, in, and when they were ended, he was hungry. See, after Jesus was baptized, he spent 40 days preparing in the wilderness after this, he was tempted by Satan, and then Jesus began his public ministry. It's just so, it's just such a crazy story, because this, the previous thing that happened before this was Jesus was baptized by, by John, okay? Heavens, I said, open up, you heard me talk about this during worship, heavens opened up, a dove came and rested on him, and then the Bible says this, immediately after that happened, Jesus was led by the Spirit to the wilderness, there's a lesson to be learned there because a lot of us think that the wilderness is always bad. I want you to know sometimes the wilderness is good so that way we can get out the stuff that doesn't belong inside of us so we can fully focus on Jesus and our assignment, right? It's important to note that Jesus didn't go to the wilderness because it was a good idea. Again, he went because the Spirit led him there. And in those times of trial, even though they are not your identity, hear me, even though they are not your identity, they do happen. And in those times, he's not leading you there to test you. He's leading you there because he trusts you. He's leading you there because he trusts you. And he will sharpen you. He will shape you. He will teach you how to be reliant on, on him. So it's important that during those times of a major task, maybe it's something that you have to do at work, or maybe it's maybe something going on in your life, or a major, major task in your life, that you come back, you seclude a little bit, and you spend time with the Lord. And you pray before you actually go do that, because if we don't get mentally and spiritually prepared before those major tasks, okay, what'll happen is we'll find ourselves falling into temptation. 
We'll find ourselves falling into those times where the enemy will come and lay out those distractions for you. And we'll follow those distractions thinking they're God, but not really hearing the Father for ourselves. So let me encourage you to spend time with Jesus during those times. Number two, reason why Jesus went into solitude and chose solitude over people, he had to do that to recharge after hard work. (laughs) This was my favorite. To recharge after hard work. Mark chapter six, verse 30 through 32. It's up there on the screen. Go with me. Mark chapter six, verse 30 through 32. I love hearing the Bible's pages turn, right? And your phones flip. Okay, Mark chapter six, verse 30 through 32. And it says this, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, this is super important. He said to them, come away by yourselves to to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure or even anything to eat. So Jesus is instructing his disciples at that time that he just sent them out two by two. He said, go out and go preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, do all the things. They came back to report. Then he says, hey, everyone, it's really important that we take some time to recharge after we just got done working. After we just got done doing this major task, after we just got doing this assignment, after we just got doing what I've called you to do in that moment that we learned to come back into solitude and begin to rest, relax, and recharge. Let me tell you, the world is vying for your attention. I told you, this is something I never preached before, okay? The world is vying for your attention. And the way that they're gonna do that is the next thing that you have to do. The next project, the next plant you have to plant, the next thing you have to do, this, 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 whatever the case is, it's just gonna constantly be flowing into your mind. Jesus wants us and, and he wants us and is encouraging us to simply come back after a time after we just completed this major task, whether it be working hard or going on a job situation or whatever the case may be, coming back and resting and recharging so we can go back out into the world and do what he's called us to do. It's so important for that. Jesus sent the 12 disciples out to do ministry. When they returned, he encouraged them to separate from the people who were following them to get some rest. So let me encourage you. Let's be like Jesus and these disciples. Sometimes, sometimes in our life, all we need is a snack and a nap. You ever find yourself so angry sometimes you're just frustrated with people? You know what I'm talking about? Right? You just... Ugh, ugh, ugh. Like you just, you just don't know why you are, but everything that everyone else does just seems to annoy you, right? Am I the only one? Right, no, no, yeah. You just, ugh, nah, I can't, look, it's okay. Look, don't let the world tell you to suck it up. No, go eat something, go get something to eat and take a nap for a little bit. Honestly, recharge a little bit. It's okay to do that. We feel guilty about doing that, okay? But clearly, Jesus is saying, after you get done doing something and then you start to feel yourself just getting a little frustrated and annoyed, look, take some R&R, eat something good, healthy for your body, right? And then get some rest and relax. Our culture is always set to go, go, go. Go, 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 go. I know I'm talking, I'm, I know this is counterculture what I'm talking about, I know it is, right? Because we think that our success is in the doing, not in the being. If we learn to just be in him, rather than just do things for him, we'll find ourselves to feel a little bit more complete in our life. 
A culture's always said to go, 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 go. Wake up on time. Deadline here. Calendar item here. Get to this meeting here on time. Do this, do that. It's got to be on time because if it's not on time, my son got back from Nepal and he's like, Dad, time doesn't exist in Nepal. And it really doesn't exist either in the Hispanic culture very much. Trust me, I know. I grew up in it. It's 1 o'clock and everyone shows up at 1.45 and you're like, hey, all right. They're like, well, it's time. I'm gonna Time to party, say. I can say that. You can't, but I can. <laughs> we got this, we got that to do, we got this to do. And while those things are all good, and I do believe that those things make our world turn, I do understand that. But you and I need to learn in our walk with God to take a Selah moment, to hit the pause button a little bit, to hit pause and not worry so much about the world that's going on around you because I promise you, once that pause button comes unchecked, that world's still gonna be there. But if we can learn to ourselves to recapture the goodness of God by taking some time away, right, and recharge a little bit and recoup that, it's gonna, I call it this, I call it to turn off, to turn up. The thing that distracts us the most is that device right in your hand. I've got a notification for everything on my phone. You with me? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Bing! Yeah. Ding! 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 You know? Ding! Someone spit in the wind. Bing! It's like, oh, someone spit in the wind. Great. Praise the Lord. Right? Ding, 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 ding. I mean, just all day long. Bzz, 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 bzz. Look, let me encourage you, especially while we're in this negative fast that we're taking right now, Okay, and feasting on God's word, maybe take a day this week and just turn your phone off for a little bit. Just turn off, so that way you can turn up. So you can turn up. When we do that, we're actually better for ourselves. I'm not talking about turn up, you know what I mean, young people? We gonna turn up, y'all. I'm talking about turn off, so we can turn on our love for Jesus. When we do that, we're actually better for ourselves. And in return, we'll be better for our families and we'll be better for the people that we're serving around us when we learn to simply eat a snack, take a nap. It's okay to do that. Number three, Jesus went into solitude and chose solitude over people because he had to work through grief. Now, obviously with this one, I can't unpack all of it, okay? If you are dealing with grief, I wanna encourage you right now to go and be part of the grief share group that we have that meets twice a year with Marilyn Jones and um, with Marge Ronifier. Please do that, okay, join that group. They have six to eight weeks of just time together and teaching and lessons and all those kinds of things. But it's important to understand and know that we learn to grieve right. And Jesus actually, the Son of God actually grieved. Can you believe that? He actually grieved, okay? Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 through 13, you see the scripture reference behind you. I'm going to rocket fire a little bit so we can have time here, okay? At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work at him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. 
And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, that's so funny, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod so that he promised with an oath to give whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, give me the head of John the Baptist here on the platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests had commanded it to be given, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison and his head was brought on the platter and given to the girl. And she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it and they went and told Jesus. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew. He went into solitude from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. So after Jesus learned that his cousin John the Baptist had been beheaded, he went away by himself. Let me encourage you. Yes, even the son of God grieves. Even the son of God grieves. And working through grief is so difficult. Everyone deals with it differently. Amen? There's no handbook or rule book on how to handle grief. None. Everyone deals with it differently. I know that there's steps. I know there's processes and I know these things. But everyone deals with grief differently. Jesus knew that he couldn't properly continue his assignment without properly mourning his cousin. So it's okay to take time off, go into a place of solitude when you're grieving. And let me encourage you to stay there a little bit. The temptation is to allow grief to become your identity. Jesus doesn't want you to allow that grief to become who you are, to carry that. Remember, when Jesus went to the cross, he carried that for you. He became that grief for you. It's okay to remember. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to do those things and to go into solitude and do that. But don't allow that grief to become your identity because that's not who you are. Amen. 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 Jesus is with you. He will walk beside you and allow him to minister to you. Number four. Before making an important decision, Jesus went into solitude before making an important decision. Amen? Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 13. I'm just about done. It says this. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from the 12, whom he named the apostles. Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 13. So early in Jesus' ministry, Jesus spent the whole night alone in prayer. The next day, he chose the 12 apostles. Most people make decisions in reaction to something, not in response to something. So when you're getting ready to make a big decision in your life, I know this is extremely practical, isn't it? When you're getting ready to make a big decision in your life, let's do what Jesus did and go away for a little bit. Let's spend some time with the Father. Let's, number one, see what he has to say about it, okay? Don't live in reaction, reaction to the enemy or the reaction of life, but rather yet in response to the Father, okay? Let me say that. Jesus didn't live in reaction to the devil, but in response to the Father. It's up there. Jesus didn't live in reaction to the devil, but in response to the Father. There'll be things in your life, decisions you have to make. So let's learn how to hear the voice of God. 
Let's learn how to nestle in and begin to surround ourselves with people who will speak positivity into that, into that circumstance, into what's going on. Let's learn to get in the middle of where Jesus is at and begin to just simply submit ourselves to him. And sometimes, guys, that means just us taking a walk in the wilderness. Sometimes it just means us going on our fishing boat. If you have one, if you do, let me know. I'll go with you. And, and, and going on a boat and just chilling and hanging out and listening to God. Whenever there's something going on here at the church and there's a, there's a big decision that we have to make, whether it be selling the property, whether it be this or that, whether it be finishing the building or whatever the case is, it's not like we're just gonna go, 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 go. There's a time to go, 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 go. Okay? But I promise you, and I guarantee you, it's not without thoughtful prayer and thoughtful uh, counsel, and we get away with the Lord, and we ask God, and we spend most of our time seeking the Lord before we ever make a decision. Amen. When Kristen and I have to make a decision in our lives, wh whatever that might be, right? We don't just go, we're going to make the decision, and this is it. No, we pray together. We go, what do you feel God's, what do you feel God's saying to you? She'll say, well, I'm not feeling this. Okay, great. I'm feeling this way. You're not feeling it. Let's separate again. Let's pray. Let's spend time. Let's see what happens. Going to the Father before and in solitude and making, before you make a decision is the best way to be confident in that decision that you're going to make. See, my personality is to jump first and always ask later. <laughs> it really is my personality. Oh, look, there's 40 feet of water. I bet I can jump that. <laughs> Let me dive right in there. Right, that's always my personality. But to be honest with you, before I jump, I've thought through a lot of the reasons why not to jump. I've thought of the reasons why I shouldn't do something. I've thought of the reasons why, what this is gonna look like, what that's gonna look like, what's gonna happen here, what's gonna happen there. I take it to God in prayer. And if I feel a decision needs to be made, I make it. Why? Because I'm okay with risk. Why am I okay with risk? Because that is faith. Faith isn't just believing. Faith is risking and putting to action what you believe. Risk. Solitude with the Father before making a big decision is a great practice to maintain sanity and confidence in your life. Can you play some music back there? Denise, thank you, just nice and light. Jesus went into solitude in a, in a time of distress. Can you turn that down a little bit? In a time of distress. Luke chapter 22 says this, verse 39 through 44. And he came out and went as, as was his custom to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw away and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there he appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. You see, hours before Jesus was arrested, he went to the Mount of Olives and went a short distance away from his disciples to pray. He was in great emotional agony knowing about what he is going to face. So let me encourage you, if you are anxious here this morning, if there's anxiety in your life, if you are fearful about a circumstance going on in your life currently right now, if you're afraid, look, it's not a sin to be afraid. It's not a, it's not a sin to feel that way. Everyone thinks that it is, but it's not. It's a normal emotion. It's what you allow your identity to become. It's where the line begins to be crossed.
If you're feeling a certain way about a certain thing going on in your life, let me encourage you to get away from the people about a stone's throw away and spend time with the Father. Go into solitude, take some time, pray, ask God. Get some worship music going on in your house. You know, here's the thing. Look, I'm gonna be extremely practical with you. The worst time for you to just to play whatever you wanna play in your house musically, okay? Because music, there's a spirit behind music. Come on, somebody. There's a spirit behind music. If I were to sit here and tell you and read to you the lyrics right now of some of the songs that are out there on the radio that your kids are listening to, you would be, <gasps> there's a spirit behind music. And when you allow that stuff in your house, right, what happens is it creates an atmosphere. And so sometimes it's no wonder why people are living in anxiety and fear and hurt because that's the culture in their home. That culture slowly begins to be influential in your life. So let me encourage you. I can't control what you do. I can't control, God can't control what you do, but he can give you the tools and the resources to say, get your house full of worship. Get your house full of the spirit of God rather than the spirit of the enemy. It's okay to take some time for yourself. If you're not good, if you're not stable, and that situation looks impossible, get away with the Lord. Because when you do that and you go back into solitude, what happens is that you gain a new perspective and outlook on it. And you'll see the impossibilities become possible. Within the last two weeks, I've had to take a walk. Okay, God, what do you think about this? I'm dealing with this situation. I'm dealing with this person. I'm dealing with this circumstance. God, instead of me trying to get all anxious and antsy and try to work it out myself like I like to do, Okay, God, where are you? I've had to ask God, where are you in this, in this situation? And when I can just get his perspective on this situation, I'll begin to see that these things are just worked out so easily in my life. And the last one is this. Jesus went away to focus on prayer. Luke chapter five, verse 16. But he withdrew to a desolate place to pray. Many times in Jesus' ministry, he spent time alone in prayer, amen? I think, I think what's gonna happen in today's Christian world is that we're gonna find believers that are hungry for prayer. They'll be hungry for prayer, you know? And not worry prayer, okay? But warrior prayer. <laughs> A lot of us worry and think it's prayer, it's not. I'm so worried about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop your worry. God's got this. Let's pray what he sees. Let's speak what he sees. I can keep going on that, but I won't. <laughs> Jesus took time to know his father, to learn him, to hear him, and to develop intimacy with him. The enemy would love nothing more than to rob you of your time with Jesus. Want nothing more to the rob you of your time with Jesus. So practically, those, tact those tactics that the enemy uses to rob your time with Jesus comes in forms like this, your phone. Your phone, honestly, your phone. I love it. I love my phone. It's a great time. But I find myself scrolling through YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram more than I find myself praying. It comes and robs your form of uh, your tactics here to rob and steal you of your time by worrying and being anxious. And let's just be honest. 
Sometimes your kids just wanna be all around you all the time at all times of the hours. You're like, can I just have some time alone, please, right? So let me encourage you parents who have young kids. Instead of getting upset and frustrated with them saying, I'm trying to read my Bible, leave me alone, invite them with you. Hey, sweetie, come sit on my lap real quick. Let's read the Bible together. Let's pray together. You're your biggest advocate for your children, not the school, not the government, not their friends. You are. You are. So as I wrap up, solitude can benefit us greatly if we use that time to sort through with the Father whatever's on our minds and whatever's in our hearts. So I wanna encourage you to think about your day for the rest of the day, tomorrow, this week sometime. Think about your day and plan to carve some time out to spend time alone with the Father. I told you this is a message I've never preached before, but I felt that it was really important because I believe we're coming into a season Listen to me, hear me, and then I'm done. I believe we're coming into a season right now where the world is gonna be so hectic. I'm talking with politics. I'm talking about financially. I'm talking about all the stuff right now that's swirling right now in the atmosphere, right? Everything that's going on in our world right now, and if believers don't get serious about God, we're gonna be sucked right into that. God doesn't want you sucked into that world. He wants you in the kingdom. So I, want to, I wanted to bring this message to you to let you know that it's time for us to nestle away, hear what the Father's saying so we can have clarity as we move about our assignment. Amen? Amen? Father, I love you so much. Thank you for your presence and your spirit. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. You are good. You're always good. And your love to us is never ending. We bless you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.